Welcome to Explore Europe, a podcast series for American military stationed in and around Germany. Each episode brings you travel tips and local secrets to help you get the most out of your time overseas. This episode is proudly sponsored by Used Car Guys. Pre-owned military car sales all over Germany and new car sales for stateside delivery when you PCS. Good cars from good guys. And now, introducing your hosts, Michelle Peirce and John Sweeney, who've been living in Germany and exploring Europe for over 15 years. So, where should we explore today? Well, there's only one way to find out. It's on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our very, very first episode of Explore Europe. I'm very excited you're here, and I'd love to introduce you to my co-host and co-pilot throughout our journeys around Europe and the various cities and places we're going to visit, John Sweeney. Morning, John. Morning, Michelle. Good morning from Ramstein. Uh, And I have to say good morning because to make it clear that it is morning because I am not a morning person and you are. So people might notice that my voice is a little quiet and croaky in this episode because I've only had one cup of coffee. John, we're starting with a big one for our first episode. Where are we exploring this morning? We looked at it and we decided we would go for the capital city of Germany, Berlin. Wow, that's a big one. Lots to say about Berlin. And when were you there recently? Uh, I went last spring. Um, I got it as a Christmas present and a weekend to Berlin. So we booked early at Christmas. We got some good deals and uh, went off to Berlin in, in March last year. Wow. So Berlin is a city that's steeped in history and has a lot of association with the American military. Um, I guess the most relevant part is since the Second World War, the city was split into East and West Berlin and divided by the Berlin Wall. From memory, I think JFK, John F. Kennedy, was the first president to visit and made his very famous speech at the Brandenburg Gate, where he says, Ich bin ein Berliner, which wasn't exactly grammatically correct, but it was a very historic moment. Yeah, I think he didn't want people to think he was a donut. Uh, <laughs> I think he wanted people to think that he was actually a person from Berlin. Absolutely, but he wasn't the only president to visit Berlin, was he? Reagan was also there just before the war came down. So the war came down in 1989, and President Reagan visited... Was it 87? Somewhere around there. Somewhere yeah, around there. and his very famous speech was Mr Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Now, I remember seeing that on the news, actually. I wasn't very old, but I do remember it being a very, very historic moment. So, yeah, I think there's, there's a really um, lots of valid reasons for Americans to visit Berlin, not just for tourism, but there's a lot of history there and a lot of association with the American military. So I think it's a good one to start with. Let's dive in, shall we? Okay, let's go. So you talked about you went you went in springtime. Do you think Berlin is a city you can visit all year round, or do you need good weather? Berlin is uh, it's the capital city. It's ready for all types of weather: um, rain, sun, shine, snow. It can handle it all. Nothing stops Berlin moving. That's great. And how did you get there? You talked about booking early, so I'm guessing that meant you didn't drive there from Ramstein. No, from Ramstein, we looked at what was going to be the the best way for us. We were going to drive. It's about a six and a half, seven hour drive from Ramstein. Mm-hmm. Um, but we then decided to look at trains. Um, trains, when I've looked before, I've normally looked at going like a week or two weeks before. Mm-hmm. And they've seemed quite expensive. But we were looking at Christmas to go in March. Yeah. And we found trains very inexpensive for as little as 70 euros each uh, return journey. 
Oh, that's fantastic. So I think that's generally the case with Deutsche Bahn, isn't it? About three months in advance of travel, you can get some really good deals. They call them spa price, don't they, in German? Correct, yeah. 60 to 90 days is the key. And up until Berlin, when I was booking my weekend breaks, what I always did was find a nice hotel and then find travel to get there. Okay. It's actually the incorrect way of doing it. If you find the cheap travel, you'll always find a decent hotel or an Airbnb. So look for the savings on Deutsche Bahn or Lufthansa or Ryanair. Mm-hmm. Find the cheap travel and then find the accommodation afterwards. Okay, that's great to know. When you get to Berlin, just assume that we were driving to Berlin. Six or seven hours to me is a little far to be driving. But if you've got a car full of kids, then it might be a, mo- a cost-effective way. When you get to Berlin, does it make sense to drive around or is it a city where you leave the car and use the public transport system? Me personally, um, I use the public transport system mm-hmm. and I always, where possible, when I go to a new city, is uh, if I drive or get the train, I'll park up mm-hmm. and the first thing I'll do is jump on a hop-on, hop-off bus. I'm so glad you said that because that's actually one of my number one tips whenever I go to a new city. It's a great way to kind of orientate yourself around the city before you get off and explore independently, isn't it? Yeah, and in somewhere like Berlin, it's a long it's a long trip on the bus. So you can break it up, break up. You don't need to be on the bus for three hours nonstop. You can stop every 20 minutes or somewhere like that. Yeah. And if you go to other cities like we'll talk about later, like Strasbourg and places like that, it might only be half an hour, 45 minutes on the bus. Yeah. So in a bit Berlin or a London, these big cities, you can be on the bus for hours and hours. So jump on, walk around the area, have a coffee, have a beer, have a wine. Get, get get your bearings. And then what I do is plan where to go back the next day. So before I go to Berlin, I've got an itinerary, a rough itinerary of where I want to go. But the hop on, hop off bus really cements in where I'm going the next day or two. And you have the added advantage of getting a bit of history as you're going around as well, don't you? There's a, Yeah, they always do. Um, the, the, you've got the earphones. Yep. They've got people talking in English, giving you their history, their views. And you get some really good tour guides. Um, if you've got the live ones, they're very funny. A lot of them are recorded now, but some of them still do have the live tour guides on the buses. Brilliant. That's great to hear. Thank you. So once you arrived at Berlin Station, um, let's just talk. We'll talk about how you found your hotel afterwards. But were you happy using the public transport system to get to your hotel? Is it easy to navigate? I decided once I got to the Hauptbahnhof, the main train station, I decided to walk. The hotel was only about a kilometre away. It was a beautiful spring day. Um, Google Maps on the phone, got straight to the hotel um, and just decided to soak up the atmosphere straight away and just walking around the city. And, you know, it was a good way to get to the hotel. We had loads of time on our hands, Mm -hmm. so it didn't need to be there by a certain amount of time. We took an early train from uh, K-Town to Mannheim, Mannheim five hours to Berlin. So then uh, we got to Berlin about 10 or 11 o'clock. So we had the whole day to explore. So there was no time constraints so if we got lost it didn't matter yeah that's brilliant so let's just talk about your hotel how did you find your hotel i always use um, booking.com okay i find it very very simple very user-friendly and they've got a very good iphone app um, so it works good for me there are other places out there hrs.com yeah. um, airbnb um, for me so far booking.com has seemed the easiest all in english all in euros or dollars if you want to put it in dollars yeah. um, and you can They've got very good filters if you want to stay with children or pets. Um, and if you want to stay by a beach or have a swimming pool, they've got good filters for all of that. Okay, so booking.com is your number one tip. They are not sponsoring yes. this pod- podcast, but perhaps they should. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
Okay, so we've covered how you get there and we've covered where you were staying. So let's talk about let's talk about the money, I guess. Was it expensive? Was your hotel expensive? Hotel, uh, it was a Christmas present, so um, it was a little bit more expensive than I'd normally go. Okay. I normally budget for a weekend trip about hundred euros per night for a hotel. Okay, and that's obviously for two- if I can get it. For two people. For two people. Yeah. Yes, for two people. Obviously, if I get it cheaper, great. But that's about my cap where I go. We stayed bang smack downtown in, in Berlin mm-hmm. in a five-star hotel. And it was about 130 euros. So a bit above my ceiling. But you're in the capital city. You're downtown. And uh, I didn't mind paying a little bit extra. Well, and you didn't pay for it because it was a present anyway. <laughs> exactly. I should have gone for a bit more expensive. But there you go. Okay. So can we just move on to my favorite subjects, please, which is the food? Food in Berlin is amazing. Okay. Is it international um, or very German? No, it's got absolutely everything you can think of. Okay. Um, they've got every variety of food is everywhere. There's little stalls on the side of the road. Um, there's tiny little imbuses. There's Michelin-star restaurants. Um, it's got a wide, wide range of food to choose from. Uh, we had one time as we were walking around the city, a tapas bar near Checkpoint Charlie. And uh, just had some wonderful little snacks. Um, currywurst, if you like currywurst. Um, currywurst was founded in Berlin. And there's currywurst stands all over the city. And there's the original currywurst stand where it was first done. Yeah. Um, and I found out at the weekend, a friend of mine told me, it was the English who invented currywurst in Berlin because they were bored of just eating bratwurst. <laughs> so they added some ketchup and then chucked in a bit of curry powder to make currywurst in Berlin, and Berlin now claims to be the home of currywurst. There's even a currywurst museum. (laughs) Okay, so now I have to admit something. I love food in Germany, but I hate currywurst. And now you're telling me that the English invented this, what I consider horrendous dish. (laughs) It's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) It's everywhere in that city, but there's also a hell of a lot more. Um, We had some... One of the things I always do when I go to a city is find, um, I call it a mom and pop type restaurant, yeah. somewhere that the locals go. Um, it's it's part of the fabric of the, the community, um, somewhere that, it, you know, there's old paintings on the walls that mm. an artist might have paid for their dinners years and years ago to get by. You know, one of these really old, rustic mm. places. Um, and there's loads of those pocketed around uh, Berlin, and we had a really, really good meal. And how so? How would you go about finding something like that? Because I mean, you turn up to a new city, you don't know anything. No, well, Google started doing a, a really good restaurant guide and travel guide. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one I use at the moment still, and they don't sponsor us either, but it's TripAdvisor. <laughs> um, okay. TripAdvisor has given me some brilliant restaurants over the years, um, and, and they'll break it down into what type of food you want. Do you want German? Yeah. Do you want um, Spanish? Do you want French? Do you want high quality? Do you want medium price? It's really got a lot of filters again for you. So it's a great travel companion. Um, And I just went in the section, went on the German, looked at the top 10 restaurants and picked the one we wanted and off we went. And we're not disappointed. And if I can say the word right, the restaurant was called Hackethals. And it's in the top five or six if you go on TripAdvisor. So it was Hackethals and you're eating there. Lots of meat, lots of dumplings, very traditional German food. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'll add that to the show notes. And speaking as the uh, vegetarian on this podcast, would I find something to eat in this restaurant for me? Absolutely, yes. Okay, great. Okay, good. So we've covered the food. Um, Just a couple of, I guess, the details. Currency is obviously euros. So that's relatively easy if you're coming from Ramstein or Kaiserslautern or Spangdalem. But if you're coming from England, you're going to need to um, 
exchange some pounds sterling or dollars for euros. Um, no visas required for Americans to travel to um, to no. Berlin because they're already in Germany. So that's no. nice and easy. Already in Germany. And there's the American, uh, the biggest American embassy um, in the world is in Berlin. So is that right? Yeah. So if you're going to um, going to go to the embassy, you can stop off and we'll probably come up to it shortly. The embassy is next door to the Brandenburg Gate. So if you've oh, got to wow. go to the embassy for any reason whatsoever, you're right next to the Brandenburg Gate. Oh, so it's hard to miss. Very hard to miss. <laughs> Fantastic. So travelling around Berlin, um, obviously it's a capital city. So with most capital cities, there are obviously mixed levels of crime and things like that. But did you feel safe travelling around there? Yeah, we were only around the centre. Um, obviously, okay. every city has its good and bad parts. But around the centre where the tourism was, where we stayed, felt very safe because it being the capital city, there's the embassies around, um, there's the government buildings. So there's a lot higher police presence than than a normal place. So there's a lot of police around, but the city is made for tourism. So they, they are very, it's very clean as all of Germany is. And I felt very safe. And you, you said it was made for tourism. Do I need to have a good level of German to get around Berlin and get a, uh, have a good experience there? Uh, no, Berlin is full of English speakers. So much so that uh, in the news not so long ago, one of the ministers in Berlin turned around and said he's sick and tired of going to restaurants where they're speaking English to him. He, wa- he <laughs> wanted to demand that everybody speaks German. English is probably the number one spoken language, certainly for tourists. So if I just arrived in Germany and I hadn't yet explored anywhere else in the country and I was a bit nervous about where to go and not being able to speak German, Berlin would be a very good first stop. Berlin would be a fantastic stop. Brilliant. You mentioned you went with your partner, Ramona. Is it a trip you can do with kids? Is it a, could it be a family trip as well? Um, we went on a like a city exploring trip. Um, yeah. If you, your kids want to do the exploring and see the sites like we did, then yes. We didn't look at it for uh, taking kids along, okay. but it's a capital city. I'm guessing, it's a pure guess, though, that there's going to be lots of kid-friendly activities knocking around. Um, okay, good. But th- there was kids everywhere running around looking at the sites. You know, it was probably one of the first good spring uh, weathers we had as well, so the children were everywhere, so lots yeah. of kids around. And there's a, there's a big river in Berlin as well, isn't there? And they have, like, outdoor pools and areas to swim along there as well. That's right. And all down by the rivers, you've got like little art galleries going on. You've got art shows going on. There's uh, the jugglers and um, they've got lots of street activities going on. So it's really good yeah. fun. Lots of entertainment to keep yeah. people busy while you're looking at the big site. And eating currywurst. <laughs> yeah, you can keep the currywurst. Thanks about that. <laughs> we haven't really touched on the, the big sites in Berlin. So let's talk about what there is to see there. Berlin. I was there for a weekend and I'm certainly going back for more. Um, because we didn't touch anything that w- that we wanted to do. When I say anything, we didn't touch a lot of things. We've done a lot, but we didn't do a hell of a lot, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, the Brandenburg Gate is the probably the most famous site in Germany, and there's a lot of history behind the Brandenburg Gate, which I think you're going to touch on shortly. Um, and it's very, very central. You've got the American embassy, the French embassy, and the British embassy all side by side, which was the three allied uh, forces that rebuilt the city after World War II. And obviously then there was the Russian side, which was where East Germany came into effect. But uh, if you start off somewhere around the Brandenburg Gate and just start heading in any direction, you're going to come across lots of different places. 
I've I've been to Berlin, but not as recently as you. But from memory, there is actually a point in front of the Brandenburg Gate where the Berlin Wall was Correct. built. There's a point you can still see um, in the ground. I don't know whether it's a marker, but the foundations of the yeah. wall. But you can actually see how close it was to to the gate. But it just goes to show how divided this city was. There was literally a wall running through the middle of it. I find it absolutely bananas that the capital city was split in two. Um, imagine, right from the Brandenburg Gate, it's, I think, say, three metres away where the wall was. So wow. Ima- yeah, and it's just, you'd walk along around Berlin and there's segments of the wall still left as a reminder. Um, there's some graffiti parts, there's some parts in museums, but you've just got to imagine there was two different countries mm. metres apart. And not just different countries, there were totally different yeah. ways of life. Um, and imagine waking up one morning, you know, you're waking up, you have your morning coffee, you go out to see your friend, your neighbour, your lover, they live two blocks away. All of a sudden there's a barbed wire fence you can't go across. Then over the coming days, there's a brick fence, a brick wall. And then over a few more days, there's a wall that you can't see them. This was before we had emails and telephones that work like they do now. Imagine one day seeing your friend or your sister, your brother, your, your parents, and then literally within a month, never seeing them again. That's insane. And maybe never hearing from them again. Really insane. And that's, it is insane. It's complete and utter bananas. But that's what was fascinating for me. And then going around to the different places um, just to try and get an understanding. And Berlin is brilliant for leaving some of the old remnants up. Mm-hmm. And it's got pictures of, East and West Berlin, um, all around the place, like Checkpoint Charlie, is a fantastic place to go see. It's where the American gate was when you were leaving. It says you're leaving the American sector and you're walking into Russia. I mean, it's nuts. It's nuts, nuts, nuts. There, you just can't get your head is around Is there it. a famous image from Checkpoint Charlie with a tank or something that I, I might recall from history? I'll, I'll might Wikipedia this, but I'm sure there's an amazing picture of a, of a tank they got two tanks facing off at, at Checkpoint Charlie at some point during the Cold War. It could be, I'm not sure. Um, but when you go to Checkpoint Charlie now, they'll even stamp your passport. Um, and there's a sign saying, this, the old sign saying you're leaving the American sector and it's got the, the Russian symbols on there as well. Wow. And uh, you feel like you're literally walking from America into a different world. And There's a McDonald's there and there's a Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> uh, and it's just, it is crazy. And it really makes great history and great reading um, about your time when you're there. So you know, spend the time to see all that stuff because it really is worthwhile. It's, what's quite incredible to me is, so the, the Berlin Wall went up 1961 and it came down in 1989. Now, I was born in 1976, so I wasn't around when it went up. But to be to have witnessed when it came down and to have witnessed the end of the Cold War like that. And, you know, so it was on, I remember seeing it on TV. I remember Reagan giving that speech. And then just two years after Reagan said, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, that was the fall of communism and the end of the Cold War. And the war was so symbolic. And I remember, actually, I remember David Hasselhoff being there as well. (laughs) And I remember watching people you know, breaking down bits of wall, which, you know, a couple of years before, they would have been shocked to have even gone near it. You know, people breaking down the wall from the east side and, and bre- literally breaking through to the west. It's really fascinating. And I feel like it's a place where you just have to be there to experience 
the history of that while you're in Germany. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine uh, lived in East Germany and uh, literally once a week, fresh fruit would get delivered. And her and her sister would go to different fruit stores about a kilometre apart in in Berlin, yeah. so they could get a bunch of bananas each. They were allowed one bunch of bananas each, and they would walk the K each way just to go get the bananas. Wow. It was a totally different world. And when you look back at James Bond and the Sean Connery era, and you, you see those spy gadgets and stuff like that, you think this was all surreal. Yeah. It didn't happen. It did. Wow. And there's a, a spy museum not far from the uh, Checkpoint Charlie that's very worthwhile going to see because you do see these cameras in the bottom of your shoe, in the belt buckles, and it finishes off with James Bond at the end of it. <laughs> but it's, it's, you just don't realise it's real until you get there yeah. and you can touch it, feel it, and it's tangible. It really is an amazing place. Wow. And at the wall itself, there are elements where they've left parts of the wall up and other places where you just see the foundations. But where the wall is up, there's quite a lot of graffiti, which I guess would have been considered protest art at the time so that's quite interesting isn't it lots of um satirical cartoons um created you know depicting uh the lead Gorbachev Reagan and people like that from the time yeah they used the wall everybody hated the wall so they they used it as um, a rallying point as a vocal point as a point to get points across yeah a point of protest a point of protest absolutely and, and when you walk around the city and you get in the new sectors and you're in this one shopping mall and you look around and there's Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Armani, all these massive shops. And then 15 yards away from it, there's a section of the wall stood on the piece of grass, the original wall. Wow. And it's showing you the dotted line across the floor where the wall was. So this place didn't exist, you know, in 1989 when there was still a wall and it's all been newly built up and made to look nice. You know, Berlin is a city that's rebuilding itself still 30 years on. In part of our German taxes, when we pay German taxes, uh, some money goes to the uh, building of Berlin and East Germany yeah. to make it up to the German standards. And that's going to go on for many years to come. Yeah, the Americans won't, uh, will be lucky enough not to have to pay those taxes. But I contribute yes. gladly because I'm happy to see that the, uh, the East, East Germany is rebuilding itself. Me too. So is there anywhere else that you'd really recommend people, um, you know, take the time to visit while we're there? So we've done the Brandenburg Gate. There's, it's, there's, you can find elements of the wall all over the city, but I think you can also do some tours of parts of the wall as well, can't you? Correct, yeah. There's, there's loads to do there. The wall is everywhere. There's lots to do on the wall. Then there's the Fernsey term, or as we would know it, the television uh, tower. It's ah, quite a famous site, isn't it, in Berlin? Yeah, it's, the, it's like a big pin sticking up in the middle of Berlin. It's like 380 metres tall. And there's yeah. a, a big round ball. That's what it looks like from a distance. But it's a, actually a revolving restaurant. Um, and it's the largest building in Germany. So you can go up there and have some wonderful views, have a coffee, have something to eat, um, and look over, look over the whole of Berlin. Wow, you need a good day, though, with no fog and bad weather. Yeah, so probably one day a year in Germany, but hopefully you might get one <laughs> or two more. Anywhere else you'd recommend? Um, on the bus tour, you can jump on, jump off, and they stop outside a shopping mall called K de V. K D V. I'll link to and, that uh, in the show notes. Okay. Well, it's uh, the largest shopping mall in Europe. It's not an American style shopping mall, but it's real good. And I think it's the sixth floor is food only. So if you want something to eat, again, drink, that's a good place to stop. And all around that area is really fantastic shopping. So if you're bored of sites, you're bored of history and you want to get your shop on, that's a really good place to go. Yeah, that is a very famous department store. And I know people that have come back from um, 
Berlin with the Cardiff shopping bags, much like people go to London and come out with a Harrods shopping bag. They'll yes, go in. Don't buy, buy anything in the shop. Yeah, or they'll buy something yeah. really small just to get the shopping bag. They have, I think, they have a really nice um, conduiterai or like a chocolate section in there as well, yeah. don't they? Well, another good thing. I'm glad you mentioned chocolate. Ritter uh, <laughs> Sports when. Uh, when you go to the Esso gas station and you see those square chocolates by the till that always tempting you to buy, that's a Ritter Sport. And Ritter Sport has their own um, chocolate making facility in Berlin. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so we went and we made our own chocolate and you can add anything they've got in the shop to it. So you can have Smarties or those gold flakes and you make it, they put it in the fridge, you come back an hour or two later and it's done, and you've got your own personalised Ritter Sport. It's wow. really cool, actually. What did you make? Do you remember? Uh, I think there was cornflakes and Smarties, and uh, we put a little bit of gold flakes in for the kids just to wind the kids up, and they, they enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. Well, it's a great way to make Christmas presents, personalised Christmas presents. It's a fantastic way, and it's a really nice experience. It gets really, really busy, though. So we went in um, after breakfast, uh, made chocolate on the last day, went around for two or three hours, just come back and pick it up. And when we came back to pick it up, say lunchtime, mm-hmm. it was really busy. So get in there early. Okay, so that's a good tip. Do you know what time the store opens? Um, I believe it was nine o'clock. Okay, so a, a good tip would be to be in there at nine o'clock to make your chocolate. Between nine and ten is a good time, definitely. Excellent. Um, all around the area, you've got like the opera, the opera house. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just loads of places where there's the buildings. Obviously, Berlin was blitzed during the second world war and it was complete rubble mm-hmm. so everything they've rebuilt they've built in new form but it looks old so the old uh, cathedrals the churches they still look very very old and they've used old bricks where possible so that was actually all rebuilt after the second world war to be sympathetic to its original design most of berlin was re- rebuilt oh gosh i didn't realize that um and if you then walking around again the alexander Platz mm-hmm. is a really nice place for uh, a glass of wine, beer. And what fascinated me about the Alexanderplatz, that was West Germany's shopping district before the wall came down. Okay. And straight across Alexanderplatz. So it's like a 1970s, 1980s shopping area. So it's not real modern, but it, it's good. But one striking pose that I got from it was as I looked across the Alexanderplatz, about 50 yards over the road was this horrible, ugly, old Russian-styled 1930s there was no 1940s 1950s building something that you imagine to be from the communist era and it was still up it was still standing and at the top of it it just had stop war written in graffiti Um, and it was for me a very powerful moment a powerful picture seeing the people in that building looking over into what must have seemed like opulence looking over that into west germany into that area so that was a a very good place to go Um, they have a great tube system and buses get around. Um, but I would put on your walking shoes and walk as much as possible because it is a good city to walk around. And if we were going to use the the underground, is it the U-Bahn they call it in, in Berlin? Correct. It, it, would it be relatively easy to be able to buy a ticket in German or can do the machines switch over into English as well? The machines switch over into English, so great. you can do that. And there's people to help you all around. And the Berliners, I found extremely friendly. Um, they want they want to help. They want the tourism. They want you there, um, and they're very, very friendly, very helpful. 
Fantastic. Well, that's been brilliant, John. Thank you for all your insider tips. And I think that's, it sounds like you've had a a kind of really good itinerary for the weekend. And I love this idea of starting with a hop on and hop off bus to kind of get orientated around the city and then I guess plan from there. Yeah, go with an idea of what you want to see. Uh, Mark those ideas where you want to go, but use the bus to give you different places that you want to go. Um, It's a really fantastic way, like we said earlier, with the tour guides on there, giving you some insider history as well. And it helps you plan the next day or two or longer if you're there. It's definitely a worthwhile trip to do Berlin, that's for sure. And that's all we've got time for this episode. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Have fun, explorers. enjoyed this first episode all about Berlin. It's a fantastic city and somewhere I really recommend that you visit whilst you're stationed here. Every week I'm going to give you a sustainable travel tip, a small change that you can make to your travel habits that won't affect your life in any way but that can make a big difference to the planet, something that can make us all more mindful travellers. This week we're talking about straws. 500 million straws are used every day in the US. And this plastic ends up in the ocean. Wildlife eats it, and even the fish that we consume eats it too. It's incredibly damaging. When ordering a drink when you're out and about on your travels, in German, simply say, Kein Strohhalm bitte. This small change can make a huge difference to the planet. I believe the best travellers leave nothing behind but a good impression and take nothing away but great memories. That's all from me and my co-host John this week. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Explore Europe. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you to the good guys at Used Car Guys for sponsoring today's episode. You can find them online at usedcarguys.net or on location at Kaiserslautern, Ramstein, Spangdalem and Wiesbaden. We'd love to hear from you, so tell us in the comment section where you'd like us to visit next. And let us know where you'll be exploring using the hashtag ExploreEurope on Twitter. See you next time, explorers. <laughs>